so, <clears throat> hi, Belinda. So, um, we need to pray that, uh, well, I'm not going to say someone's out with COVID. I don't, wanna, I don't know if that's appropriate to tell anybody. That might be top secret. So, anyway. So, um, all right. So, if you guys have your Bibles, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. And before I jump into the text and get going, I need to remind you a couple of things that we need to, to uh, mention. Uh, our, our marriage conference is coming up the 5th and 6th of March, but we need folks signed up by the 19th so we can get our room blocked at the hotel so they don't sell our rooms out from under us. We've had a pretty good uh, you know, influx of people signing up, and so I, I want to encourage everyone to do that and, uh, um, and just kind of let you know that um, you know, if, obviously it's best if you can pay online at the time. But if you're like me, you can still sign up, and then I, I send a check later. So we have an option for that. So it is good for us to know who's coming. However, don't sign up if you don't have any intention of paying. That would be bad because we were counting on that. So, uh, but we definitely, you know, can make an arrangement. So please uh, sign up for that marriage conference coming up March 5th and 6th. It's going to be at the Hyatt uh, Lenexa. Um, I think it's called Hyatt Plaza Lenexa. So we'd love to have you, and you're all welcome and wanted. So um, I want to make that announcement. Also, the 28th, we're having a praise, and uh, what are you calling that? Is a, what is it? Joyful noise? Joyful noise. Man, you're louder than I am, with a, and I, you don't have a mic on. So a joyful noise. I need to be more excited when I say that. A joyful noise. There we go. So we're having a joyful noise, uh, and... Um, that's several praise sets and praise teams and units are going to be up here leading praise on Sunday night. The 28th, I believe, is the date, last Sunday of uh, February. So uh, we'll have uh, HBF, but we'll also have some other bands coming in. Martin, uh, I forget Martin's last name, but Martin's coming in with his band, and they're going to lead us in praise. Martin's very good. Um, Matt Franklin's going to be back. He'll be back for an appearance, so that'll be cool. So uh, it'll be good. All right, so be here the 28th, 6 o'clock, Sunday night, be a good time. All right, so we're in Ephesians 6, and uh, Ray, did you find the handouts behind the counter? Oh, I'm so sad. So we, we, if you weren't here, I apologize. Amy, do you have a blank handout? I take, um, she could create one. On my desk, on my computer right now, on the screen is a handout. Uh, if you want to print, just a couple for Emmett and Will. Anybody else need a handout? Not that Emmett or Will really want one, but I just want to be be kind and make sure that they have feel feel like they can have one if they do want it. So, Belinda, do you you have one? Don't you? No, you want one? Of course. I'll wait until Amy prints two, and then when she comes in, I'll say, "Oh, Amy, by the way, we need another one." So. Then you'll see how good our marriage really is. <laughs> so, all right. No, I'm just teasing. You do have one? Oh, I'm just teasing, actually. We'll be, she'll be fine. All right, so uh, so we'll be okay. Um, once we had a blank one, it's easy to reproduce another. All right, so God has provided uh, where we left off. Let me just run you through. This is a pretty lengthy outline. I'm not going to run through all the introductory info. But last week we got together, we talked about Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, got started on that, talking about warring like Christ and how we got to grow up to stand up. And then we talked about how Christians must uh, grow up to man up and how we, uh, God provides Christians a way to measure up. Uh, and then we, and we, in that time we talked about, um, and let me go kind of through the PowerPoint, let me get to that slide. 
where we left off. We were talking about just there's actually a way to measure your spiritual growth and development. Um, and so uh, and I, I led you into the uh, seven stages of spiritual growth. There it is, that measuring stick. So we took some time and touched on those lightly. And then, um, and then uh, the next one was we, we talked about how the Christian who, uh, <clears throat> who grows a Christians, let me see, Christians who grow up have, have to power up to stand up in an evil day. We're going to talk more about that in the next section. Uh, and so that's a cute little picture there. So uh, Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And we spent some time in, in uh, chapter 6 and verse 10. We talked about placing our faith uh, in God's might. And then how the Christian warrior places no confidence in the flesh, but power in the armor of God. And, uh, and then we ended up, really, that's where we left off. Um, let me get to this slide. Yeah, right here. This is what we finished this point up in Romans chapter 7. Verse 18. So we left off last week. Oops. What in the world? Oh, we just had a we just lost something there. I don't know what happened. So uh, so in verse we were in Romans chapter seven. <clears throat> Is this something I'm going to get back? You think? Okay. So that's where we left off, and uh, let me just pick it back up. So God has provided uh, us all the power we need through Him. Our job is to put on the whole armor of God. So let's just pick up the text once again. We were in Ephesians chapter 6, and for those that weren't here prior to that, we spent quite a good deal of time talking about how important the first nine chapters or nine verses are to the last part of the, the armor. Everybody jumps to Ephesians 6 and jumps to the armor of God. But uh, really, before you get into the armor, you've got to grow up. So it starts with children, with servants, with masters. Also, the fathers mentioned in there. We had a lot to say about that. And then finally, you get to verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. All right, so that's really where we, that's the text that we're working with. When we get to verse 11, in particular, it says, put on the whole armor of God, not just a piece of it, that you may be able to stand against the walls of the devil. So God has provided us all the power. That's the blank there if you've got to fill in the blank. And uh, we're going to need three, by the way. I know. Oh, you did? Okay, here we go. I shouldn't have said that. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say it. Here you go. Hey, here you go. Thank you, honey. <clears throat> so, um, so where was I at? Ephesians six eleven. So the, God has provided us all the power. That's the blank all that we need through Him, and our job is to put on the whole armor of God. So let's talk about that, right? A good mythical morning. So we have the the promise that if we put on the armor, 
we may stand against the wiles of the devil. And the good thing is it doesn't say we might stand. So it's pretty absolute. That's pretty awesome. Uh, not pretty. It is absolute. You got that new commercial out, you know, that says probably it's about drunk driving, you know, and they're always talking about you might probably isn't a good thing, right? Uh, I'm probably okay. And they go through all those scenarios of people, you know, my parachute might work. It's probably okay. You know, well, that's not very reassuring, right? Well, you know what? This is pretty awesome because it does tell us that the whole armor of God, uh, you, it will work, right? Uh, God has given us all the power we need. So when we put that on, it'll, it'll give us the grace to, you know, stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So put on the whole armor of God. Notice that it, it does, that it says devil uh, with a small d and not devil with a capital D. What's the difference between that proper noun versus just this, this lowercase devil? Huh? Amen. He's not omnipotent. omnipotent uh, Belinda says, and she's right on. What else does that kind of tell us when it says when you stand against the wiles of the devil? Because if who is the devil? The devil, capital T, capital D. That old serpent, the devil. Right. That's a that's a that's a that's a that's a proper noun. Right. That is a he has a title, the devil, Satan. That old serpent, like Ron says, and those are those are capitalized too, by the way. So they're in the in not just in the Bible, but in general in the English language, right? When you capitalize, unless it's at the beginning of a sentence, but if you're in the middle of a sentence and you come across the word uh, devil and it's not capitalized, it's talking about what is it talking about? Yeah, just one of Satan's devils, right? Devils, like when you're reading the gospel, there's people that have devils, small d, but then there's the devil. Right, that's Satan, and so um, right. Just there's a prophecy about our second coming. We're called saviors, small s, but Jesus Christ is the savior, capital S. Right? There's only one savior, and that's Jesus Christ. Although we follow him and our saviors. Right? So, but that's kind of cool too. By the way, juxtaposition. There's a reason there's a battle, right? Because one there's devils, and then there's saviors. So, um, so uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed that in the text or not, but it's. You know, I do believe, you know, I don't want to get crazy here like we're reading. What's, who's that dude that did uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? C.S. Lewis, you know, screw tape letters. But uh, um, there's devils, you know, for real. And uh, it's very possible that there's one assigned to you. But the devil isn't omnipresent. And Belinda, that's very good. Satan himself is not omnipresent. Uh, he has his devices and he has his structure when you read through Daniel. You see that Daniel is praying. There's a war going on. Of course, Daniel doesn't have the benefit of the indwelling Holy Ghost like we do and direct access to the throne of God like we do and a propitiation for his sin like we do. Uh, and so all of those things are yet to come. So Daniel's praying, and it takes a while for the prayer to, you know, for, and, and also Daniel is, God is revealing information the devil's contesting over the principalities and powers of the, this this world, and he's like, "Hey, that's my property," and God's like, "No, that's what I'm doing." And you can even see that in Jude, right? When Michael's disputing, Michael the archangel is disputing with the devil, capital T, capital D, right? The devils, uh, you know, and he says, "The Lord rebuke thee," you know, he gives him respect. But you know, there is there are he has systems in place and. A lot of times, and I really like what Belinda said, a lot of times people think the devil is after you, you know. Uh, 
Well, maybe if you're negotiating foreign policy with Benjamin Netanyahu, okay, or, or you're, in, you know, maybe in the Oval Office and you're getting ready to storm Normandy or something and take on Hitler in, in World War II, maybe the devil gets involved in some of that. I don't know. I'm not there. I, don't, I can't see behind that spiritual veil. But most of the time, most of us aren't get, engaging in that sort of high-level intrigue, uh, you know. Uh, so, so most of the time, now I don't know. You never know what you're going to bump into, but uh, you're only dealing with, uh, with a devil, right, or devils. Um, and so that's just demonic activity. And so, and so we do need to be careful to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, the devil, the devils, will work in mysterious ways and not so mysterious ways, right? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. If you want to know what the devils are working, well, they're working the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Me and Luke were just visiting today this afternoon about just how technology has advanced so rapidly. Uh, he's a, in his 30s. I'm, in, I'm now 50. I'm getting old and quick. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I'm one of those people that remembers UHF and, you know, 4, 5, and 9. And uh, I just lost most of you. So, so you know, uh, there was a time when you couldn't just, like, watch whatever you wanted when you wanted. You couldn't, you know, if I'm watching, i got a particular news program right now that I prefer to watch, and it's an hour long. I can't, I can't sit there for an hour and watch that. So I got to get my little remote, and I just press the fast forward button through all of the little commercials now, because I get to watch what I want to watch when I want to watch it, at the rate in which I want to watch it. God forbid I'd have to actually sit and watch a program, and wait for the commercials to get done. I mean, man, or not actually be able to just drum up my program whenever I want it, right? If I feel like watching it now, I'll watch it now. If I want to watch it later, I'll watch it later, right? So things of technology has really changed the way we consume information and data in general. And so, um, so there's lots of devices, right, that the devil can use in our lives to make us little me monsters, right? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I want what I want, and I want it now, you know. When I was in the construction business, uh, man, technology was moving. So when I started in uh, the 80s, uh, late 80s, when I was in high school, I was, still work, I was working in an engineering firm. I had to wait for a pen plotter, right, to finish my plots. And then, oh, that, I had a whole job waiting on those things. And then we invented electrostatic plotters and all these other types of plotting devices so we could print our stuff out instantly. And boy, once you could do that, you didn't have an excuse. Right? It, it got done today, and you got it printed right now. And, it's got a, and then you could get a courier, and run it across town. But if you use in Wichita, right, well, that'll be there tomorrow if we FedEx it. And i got to get it done before 9 o'clock. Amy remembers those days, and I'm driving up to the airport trying to get there before the plane takes off <laughs> a bundle of, bundle of uh, drawings. And, uh, but if I didn't get it in before the plane took off, too bad. That's another whole day you had to wait on those drawings. You know, so. But it wasn't any time at all. The next thing you know, it's like, oh, don't worry, just email that. Ooh, you know. And so technology speeds things up, and, and, and it makes everybody me monsters. And you want what you want when you want it, the way you want it. And the whole time, the devil's just putting the noose around you. So, uh, and anyway, be wise to the devil, right? They're, they're wily little rascals, little serpents. And so, and so it says devil, not devil, capital D. So God will not allow you to face anything you're not equipped to deal with. God will give you victories to show you his faithfulness in the face of opposition. So 
Look at 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. I'm gonna, we're back up. Thank you, Ray. Praise the man. Huh? I went too far. Oh, okay. Thank you. You already had me there, huh? He's taking care of me. So 1 Corinthians 10, 13. How many of you know this verse? So this is one you ought to commit to memory. If you don't know this verse... Uh, do you have it in your Bible? Do you want to read out loud? No? Okay. I won't do that to you, Wendy. So, First um, Corinthians ten thirteen. Does anybody want to read that out loud? Belinda will do that. All right, Belinda. I would toss this to you, but that would really be a bad thing. Yeah, Ron would hurt me. So, here you go. You get to own that until the next person. 1 Corinthians 10.13 Yes. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Amen. That's pretty self-explanatory. It's a WYSIWYG, right? What sees what you get. So, no temptation. I'd like to believe this isn't true. Anybody sometimes wish that wasn't true? That uh, there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. That's the first trick the devil tries to tell you, is that whatever you're being tempted with is unique to you, and you're the only one. No, it's not true. There's, we're all tempted. Lust the eyes, lust the flesh, the pride of life. It's that simple. First John, um, and he goes on to say, "But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able." That's the verse. It's kind of like, ouch. That means when I give in to temptation, why is that? Because I believe, yeah, I believe the lie that I, I, it's a lot easier to say, well, I, you know, Amy sees me struggle with this, doesn't, at night, she's like, you know, I'm like, honey, I want to eat sweets, I just want to eat sweets, there's something about after the sun goes down, my taste buds turn on to sweets, you know, <laughs> I'm just like, and I know I shouldn't, especially right now, I'm trying to lose weight, and uh, so I got these cheater bars that are like protein, but they got the sweet, you know, but you still can't eat 10 of those, you know, you can all, <laughs> so, uh, or a little dab of honey, you know, and your peanut butter, protein peanut butter, but then you like squirt extra because you're really wanting some sweet. So uh, I'd like to say, you know, I just can't control myself, but the truth is I can control myself. I just choose not to because there's no temptation taking me. Even a bottle of honey. There's no temptation taking me. I'm not Winnie the Pooh, man. (laughs) So there's no temptation taking me, but such as is common to man. So if I choose to do what I shouldn't do, or I know I ought not to do, guess what? That's on me. Because God has promised me. Hey, man, good to see you, Brian. Amy, do we got another one of those? Um, God's promised me that there is no temptation that's taking me, but such as common demand and he has made a way god is faithful who will not suffer or allow you me to be tempted above that you're able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it so there's a lot in that passage too when it comes to spiritual warfare so we got to know that when we're tempted there is a way to escape you know it'd be it we'd i'd i know in times i'd be like well you know you just got to capitulate no you don't we don't have to capitulate that's what it says. There is a way to escape. But we like to think, no, there wasn't a way to escape. You know, I just, the devil made me do it. Nope. 
The devil in Ephesians chapter 6 and 11 didn't make you do it because you're a child of God. You're a soldier of God. You don't need to be doing that. You got, the problem is we break down in our mind. That's why this, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and, and uh, powers and spiritual weakness in high places. But the weapons are, of our warfare are not carnal, but they're, my, they're spiritual, and they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So it's a spiritual battle that we engage in, and it is taking place in the mind. I like what Steve said a couple of weeks ago. He said, you know, you don't do anything until you've thought it. <clears throat> and that's, so we've got to capture those th- things in our mind. So God equips us to stand in the face of the devil's wiles, or the wiles of the devil's, however you want to say that. And the devil doesn't attack head on. Uh, he is subtle, and he's quiet. Our job is to execute judgment as we find sin in our lives and the lives of those with whom God has entrusted us. So I put this massively long passage up here, which you probably won't be able to. You, you need to turn in your Bibles for this one because it's a lot of text. You can probably barely read that. So um, anybody want to read voluminous amounts of uh, numbers? If not, I will. Numbers 25 and verse 3. So if you're not much familiar with the Bible, Numbers, <clears throat> there's the first five books of the Bible are uh, written by Moses, and uh, Numbers is recounting uh, the children of Israel <clears throat> as they are called out into and enter the land by their tribes. And in chapter 25, and it's got a lot of great history and details that... Uh, <clears throat> regarding what God did historically, preparing them to enter the promised land. In Numbers 25 and verse 3, here we go. Uh, And I kind of, this is a lot to kind of digest, but the devil's trying to trip up an entire nation. And he's doing a good job of it, by the way. Um, And so he's, he's, uh, uh, he's had, he's worked to, um, through a, a Balak and Balaam to, uh, get the children of Israel to take the daughters of of the uh, uh, the enemy. I'm trying to remember the the the, the Midianites. Thank you. And so, uh, without getting into all the details, you'd have to go back and read it. Balaam is is uh, knows better, but he kind of leads Balak to say, "Hey, on the side, I would never curse God's people." But if you want to see him fall, this is what you need to do, you know, basically. So he goes around and he says, ah, much marriage, you know. So he ends up getting, uh, he ends up <clears throat> uh, basically tricking them, or not tricking them, but uh, getting them to intermarry. It doesn't work out good. And finally the hammer drops, and that's where I'm going to bring this down, is it where the hammer drops and God deal, deals with it. So in Numbers chapter 25, God is, you know, putting a stop to this mess. Uh, and it says in Numbers 25.3, And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. Now this is a god, and the god gets angry. because you're not to serve any other god but him. And they did this because they, well, they took on these, these uh, Midianitish women, and they served those gods, and then the men started serving those gods, and now God's hot as a firecracker. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. So much for gentle Jesus. Uh, God's like bringing down the hammer here. Um, and so Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined with, unto Baal uh, Peor, 
And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses, in the sight of the congregation of the children of Israel, who uh, were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation, took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the, <clears throat> after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them, the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly. Wow. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were twenty and four thousand. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, uh, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consume not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Wherefore say, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace. Now, that's a crazy situation right there. And uh, the story of Baal Peor in Numbers 25, <clears throat> when we find this, Moses executed judgment on those who joined themselves, really God did through uh, Moses, but ultimately through uh, Eleazar. Uh, but Moses executed judgment on those who joined themselves with the sin of Baal Peor. Now, in Numbers 25 and verse 18, it states that they were beguiled. There's a reason I chose this passage, because in verse 18, it says that they were beguiled by, <clears throat> uh, by the wiles of that false religion. So, down in verse 18 of Numbers, it says, For they vex you with their wiles wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor, in the matter of, of uh, Cosby, not Bill, the daughter of a prince of Midian, their sister, which was slain in the day of the plague of Peor's sake. And so, so this is a situation where they've been beguiled. They, it's the wiles of the devils uh, that has beguiled. These women, they were beguiled, ultimately, by... Balaam and Balak, and that's not forgotten all the way. It's all the way you'll find it all the way in the book of Revelation, chapter two and three. There, dealing with uh, false religion, all the way through the Bible. When you get to Revelation seventeen and eighteen, Revelation seventeen deals with a false religious system that gets people drunk and and uh, takes them to bed, right? So, what is that all about? It's about compromising and, and beguiling people, um, uh, even through religious systems, right? This is a religious situation: sex and religion mixed together beguiling God's people, taking them off track. And so, lust the eyes, lust the flesh, the pride of life, all three of those things are happening. And the devil's wily. That's the point. They, this wasn't a, you know, Balaam wanted to curse the, God's people, but he couldn't just come right out and curse them. The devil would like to just, I was just talking with Amy this morning, I'm like, the devil hates us. He'd love to kill us and our kids. Um, but he can't because God's using us, just like you and the church. And the devil would love to just destroy us, but he just can't. But you know what he will do? He'll try to find ways <laughs> to get us to do stupid stuff, to, to, to hurt ourselves, just like the children of Israel, and not judge our own sin, and not even see. I mean, they, you know, when you think about beguiled <clears throat> in Genesis, who was beguiled in Genesis 3? Eve was beguiled. Well, Adam wasn't, but Eve was. Yeah, so yeah, Eve, Adam knew better, and Eve was beguiled. So... Uh, Eve was beguiled, and, and Adam wasn't man enough to put a stop to it for whatever reason, and he went along with it too. And so, um, but it, it's very clear in the, in the Bible, Eve was beguiled, Adam wasn't. And so, uh, you know, that's, there's a lot of question marks there, and I'm not going to answer them because I don't know that we'll ever answer them until we get to heaven. But <clears throat> the point is, is that 
<coughs> all the way <coughs> through. <coughs> Excuse me. I did not bring my water. Uh, <coughs> thank you. There's a lady that's going to help. Um, in, uh, in the book of Second uh, Corinthians, this isn't in our notes, but I'm going to call an audible here. Most of you, you know, many of you may know this, but it's very specific <clears throat> what Paul says in regard to the children of Israel, isn't it? Second Corinthians chapter, uh, is that 10 or 11 there? Chapter 11, it says in verse 1, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. And then he goes, I, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you, right? I've... I have given you in marriage, not he, uh, what is that, what do we call that today when you're a spouse? Engaged, right? You're engaged. I've espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, right? We haven't got to the wedding ceremony to consummate it. So you are, you are reserved for Christ, church. Then he says this, uh, and you need to be a chaste virgin, right? You need to keep yourself pure for your husband. But I fear... Lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Thanks, honey. I had a bunch of peanuts earlier, and then you should always wash those things down good. Paul's not kidding here. He's saying, uh, you know, I'm going to use some analogies here so you, you can kind of follow along, but... I don't want you to be beguiled by the devil, right? The wiles of the devil. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Those are the three things that uh, the devil attacks in the garden, and that's the three things he attacks on us. And it's not necessarily the devil, but it is the devils. And so don't kid yourself. Um, a lot of the things in this world and the flesh uh, are designed uh, to attract to our, the lust of our eyes, the lust of our flesh, and the pride of life, which resonates from our heart. And, man, like I said, and like Belinda said, really, really was a good point. The devil isn't omnipresent. He's not God. But he creates things. He's been around a long time, and he knows how frail we are. That's why we got to have the whole armor of God on. That's why we're talking about that. Uh, okay, so, so in Numbers 25, we see that they were beguiled, and it brought, uh, you know, it brought judgment until someone stood up and judged sin. And so Satan and his servants are much more deceitful than, you know, Wiley E. Coyote ever thought about being, you know. Uh, he is serious business. So in Ephesians 6, in our, back in our text, let's go back to our text. In verse 12, you know, he moves, we're going to move along here, and we'll recount. I'm going to do a simple accounting of the whole armor before we're done. But Ephesians 6, 12, the text says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, of course, in that example in Numbers 25, it was really important that this was, you know, to the devil that the, the seed of Israel would get corrupted and contaminated because God's made a promise, right? He told, he told Eve that, hey, through your seed is going to come, uh, through this woman's seed is going to come your demise, Satan. You just watch. And then, of course, then down the road comes... Uh, comes Noah, and then after Noah comes uh, uh, Shem, and through Shem comes Abraham, eventually through Heber, then comes Abraham, and then there's more covenant promises, and then through Abraham comes uh, um, 
Isaac and then through Isaac. Uh, and there's more of those promises. The covenant keeps being given down. And then th- after that, you end up having um, uh, Jacob. And then Jacob has his 12 sons. And then, then in Genesis 50, the promise is given to Judah. Shiloh is going to come through Judah. So, okay, the devil's watching that going, okay, where's this seed coming from? Where's this seed coming from? He's trying to stop it, trying to shut it down. And, uh, of course, he can't because God's, God's got a wrench to fit every nut. So, um, so God's going to work it out because God's sovereign, and that's what he does. He's awesome, truly awesome. So, uh, but we are wrestling, right? It's a wrestling match back and forth. That's what history is. It's a wrestling match. When you look at the news, right, and you see, oh, there's a coup in Burma, uh, Netanyahu's in, uh, you know, in court this week trying to defend himself. Uh, Turkey's got this going on, and Putin's involved over here. And you're looking at all of that. What's going on? Wrestling. That's what's going on. There's principalities and powers wrestling, and so uh, the wrestling over what the Bible ultimately says, even though people will not acknowledge that. So don't overreact to satanic attack. That is one of the keys of wrestling. All right. So. So, come, Brian, you want to? Can you be a, a living epistle man? Come on up here. This guy could whip my tail, and he will. So we're not going to go live, brother, because I, I think you could put the hurt on me. But uh, if Brian and I were like wrestling, right, and I start to just just push up on him real fast, or he does that to me, and you just and you don't and he doesn't respect. He thinks I'm just a pushover, right? He's just going to just push on me. Well, I'm I'm going to just take him and throw him. That's what I'm going to do. A good wrestler. That's what he's going to do. So when two, you ever see those wrestlers when they're tied up, man, they're, they're like that. There's a reason that they don't just make a lunge all of a sudden because they're going back and forth. In wrestling, if you push too hard, if I'm pushing too hard against Brian, he's got a good name, then, you know, he's <laughs> going to throw me over there. But if he pushes too hard on me, I'm going to throw him over there. So we wrestle. That's good, man. That's one good, good illustration. So uh, I wouldn't want to wrestle Brian. He'd probably put the hurt on me. But anyway, um, so when you wrestle... You've got to be aware all the time. You keep all the, everything's in your hips, your loins, right? Gird about with truth. And so you can't go to extremes, overreact, right? There's a time, right, to give it all you got, but you've got to be wise. You've got to be careful not to overreact. So we had a situation this last year. I was just in uh, HBI this last night. We were talking about this very same principle, different application. But, you know, there's times when you, you just got to be wise and not overreact. The devil will try to provoke you. Push you, prod you, shoot out the lip, as the Bible says. Get under your skin, right? All that stuff. And, uh, you know, like Brady and Matthew or whatever his name was in the Super Bowl. Did you guys know there was a Super Bowl? But anyway, uh, <laughs> it's pretty bad. But anyway, uh, you know, they got under each other's skin, right? They're poking and prodding, and, and somebody went too far. I don't know which one it was. But anyway, uh, so don't overreact when, uh, when there's satanic attack. That's the key of wrestling. That's one of the keys of wrestling. Satan often draws us up close. He'll whisper things in, your, in our ears uh, to discredit the power of God. Things like you can't resist and everyone else is doing it. And, you know, what will they think? You know, he has all kinds of things he, wrestles, he whispers in our ears, little things to get us off course. Remember what he did to Eve in the garden? He just asked questions. Right? He didn't actually say, you know, what, what, was it, what, what was God what, in the garden? Let's just use that as an example. What was, what was going on in the garden? What was Satan actually trying to do to the mind of Eve? When 
Mm-hmm. Amen. He put him. He was trying to put himself. He did that just by casting a doubt, just by bringing a question. So he was eroding God's character. He was saying, "God, you can't believe God." The day that thou eatest of, oh, you know, God told you not to touch it. Why did he tell you not to touch it? Because he knows you're going to be like the gods. He doesn't want you to be like him, right? You can't trust his character. He's holding out on you. Don't Never mind the fact that he's given you all the trees of the garden that thou mayest freely eat and has no restriction. There's just this one tree, the knowledge of good and evil, and, you know, yeah. You know, and he just he just gives her enough doubt to start thinking, you know, you know, maybe he's right. And she saw that the tree was good. That's where we get the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And it's right out of that passage. And I'm not going to go back right now and get into that. We, you guys have covered that before. But when you think about that, it was just, it was just, he didn't just come right out and say, you know, I really hate you guys, and I want to see your destruction, and I have absolutely no compassion on you. And you're my enemy, and I just want to crush you like a grape. I don't even know why I'm bothering talking to you. Get out of my face. You know, he didn't come. He didn't come on like that. He's he's all, hey, what's up? He's he's smooth, like butter. And uh, he knows how to talk to people. He knows how to get in their ear, because then he's going to get in their head, so he can corrupt the heart. And that's exactly what he does. He beguiles us, and so we don't need to be beguiled. And so. We talk more in detail uh, about that in uh, my next section, so I'm not going to get too, too far afoot on that. So the, ch- the Christian warrior does not wrestle uh, flesh and blood, and we see that in verse 12. So, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, um, <clears throat> against uh, the spiritual wickedness in high places. So let's just talk a little bit about the doctrine of Ephesians 6.12 we, as we look at this. Uh, the adversary has, is a master plan for your destruction and my destruction. And so 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant. <clears throat> Those are like, it's not enough to be sober. You also have to be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So what, what's that mean? He's like a, like a predator. He's walking around. Looking for who? The weakest people to devour. Man, I, I, that's, that's irritating when it ha- I get irritated when I see that, when the devil gets an advantage on a weaker vessel. But anyway, that's, I won't get too specific. Anyway, um, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. All right, so. If you have any, if you're mature at all, if you've been a child, a servant, a master, now you're a soldier, you are not to be given, you are to be sober, you are to be vigilant. This is not like a recommendation, this is an, this is an order. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? You have an adversary. So stay off the sauce and stay on your post, right? Don't, you know, that's how we want, that's how George Washington defeated the Hessians and, uh, and the Brits, mainly the Hessians who were their, their contract soldiers, the mercenaries. Uh, when he crossed the Delaware, right? They were all celebrating Christmas. The last thing they thought, like, you know, whatever, it was a bunch of snow, cold out, like tonight, these dudes were going to attack them. They didn't know their adversary. Man, he, they, George Washington, of course, he was just throwing the ball. He was throwing a Hail Mary pass, but God blessed it, right? So he, he just went after it, and he caught them off guard. And so we are not to be caught off guard. 
We're to be sober and vigilant. Those guys were drunk as skunks celebrating Christmas and, uh, you know, partying it up. And next thing you know, they got lead balls flying through the building, you know, and shooting them and every, it's all breaking loose. So, so you got to be vigilant <clears throat> because the, the adversary wants to, pre- he, he wants to prey on you. He is looking for the weaknesses that he can exploit. You know, when you see, it's, uh, it's, he's not nice. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have a soft spot there? Is that hurt right there? Right there? <laughs> you know, he just keeps hitting it. You know, if you're, if you're wrestling somebody, same analogy, right? If they're weak, they can't, they can't stop you from shooting a single leg. Well, what are you going to shoot? Single leg. Right? They, they don't care. If the adversary knows you're hurt, guess that's where he's going to go. He's going to keep after it. He does not care. He hates you. I think a lot of people have a love affair with the devil. They don't even understand who they're dealing with. This guy, is, he's wicked, man. You know when that really came to me once was uh, when I was a young Christian. I was about two years old, maybe not even that old. I mean, I was like 19, uh, whatever. So I had gotten saved when I was 16, just about to turn 17. And I was probably about 18 or 19, I don't remember. But I went to see my great-grandma uh, Hart in the nursing home. And I hadn't really frequented nursing homes in my life. Uh, before that, I'd always seen my grandma Hart over at my Aunt Dolores's, my great-aunt Dolores's house. So, But now she's in a nursing home. And she's got Alzheimer's, and she was funny. She was awesome. But anyway, I walk into this nursing home, and I'm, like, looking around, and I'm like, there's ladies and men sitting in chairs. And, and I'm just like, wow, these people are waiting to die, you know. Um, this is bad. And I realize this is, this is the endemic. This is the cause of sin in the garden. I mean, God just preached to me. He was like, yeah, Brian, this is what Satan knew was going to happen to Adam's race. And I just thought about that, and I thought, wow. Because when you see a little baby, like a little child, you know, innocent little baby, you know, our, our human inclination, if you have any heart at all, is to nurture, take care of, hold, protect. You know, you got to be some kind of wicked to take innocence and dash it against a stone, you know, give it up to the... That's part of the bail. That's, by the way, bail pure. That's part of Baal worship was giving your children over to, to false gods, blood sacrifices, human sacrifices. So um, you got to be some kind of wicked man to see innocence and want to see it destroyed. So Satan's a, he is not a friend of humanity. He hates us. It doesn't bother him at all. He has no conscience at all. He's, cold, he's stone cold murderer. That's why, he, that's why Jesus says, you're of your father, the devil. The lust of your father you will do. Literally, those same dudes kill Jesus. There is no one any more innocent than Jesus. And they murder. And they're only murderers because they wouldn't accept his grace and forgiveness. So they're not off the hook. Anyway, moving on. So God expects us to, to resist. He wants us to resist. Right? So this is like, okay, it's time to quit being docile. It's time to, it's time to quit messing around and realize you're into something here. And you better, you better buck up. Uh, and because he doesn't just want us to resist. He wants us to win. Right? This is not enough, Daniel. You've got to win. Mr. Miyagi says, you can't quit now. <laughs> We're going to heal you up and get back out there because you've got to win. Of course, that's a movie. Uh, but th- there are forces at work at the highest levels. In Daniel chapter 10. And uh, let's go back there real quick. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 20. Ezekiel, Daniel. I don't have this in my notes, so I'm going to have to look this one up. So Daniel chapter 10 
Check this out, down in verse 20. The, the Bible says, uh, I was mentioning this, or alluding to this. I'll pick it up in verse 18. Uh, we'll wait. There's a lot here. Let me let me back up to verse. I'm going to skip over some some stuff for time's sake, but in the thir- in verse one, <laughs> so it says in the third year of of Cyrus, king of what country? Persia. A thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, and the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing, and he un- and the understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came uh, flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. In the, in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittichel, then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose uh, loins were girded with fine gold of uh, Uphaz, his body was like the was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms as uh, and his feet like in color of polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore was I left alone, and I saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was uh, turned in uh, in me into corruption and I retained no strength yet I heard yet heard I the voice of uh, his words and when I heard the voice of his words then was I in a deep sleep on my face and my face toward the ground and behold verse 10 a hand touched me and set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands and said unto me O Daniel a man greatly beloved understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright for unto thee am I now sent and when he had, uh, when he had uh, spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remained there uh, with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand which shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Now I'm going to stop with that. We could, that's a whole nother, that's a revelation discussion. Um, and he's dealing with the, the Gentile powers are shifting. This is getting back to Daniel 2 as well, and the visions and the Gentile powers, and so on and so forth. But what, what I want you to see here is that his prayer was in, instantly heard, obviously. God knows what's going on. But it took a time for the response. And Michael, the archangel, is involved here. Uh, and then it says in verse 19, from verse 18, it says, Then there came again, and, and he touched me, one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me, and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened, and, and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. And then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, that there is none uh, that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael your prince. So his prince is Michael. Okay, what is he talking about here? These are angelic hosts that he's dealing with. So 
when Paul is talking about principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places, he's dealing with these angelic forces. So there are forces at work at the highest levels. And Michael's invoked here. When we get to the book of Jude in the back of the, of the New Testament, uh, right before Revelation, there's just a tiny chapter book. Um, if you go back there and look at Jude chapter 1, or I'll put it up on the screen. I think I got it. Yeah, Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter. So verse 9 of Jude, it says, Yet uh, the archangel, uh, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, Lord, rebuke thee. Now, you can be wondering, what's that about with the body of Moses? That's, again, we'll save that for our Revelation study of the two witnesses, the Revelation and all that. But there was a problem with Moses' body, and uh, obviously Michael's claiming it, and Satan's claiming it. And Michael says, hey, I'm here from headquarters. You take it up with the boss, <laughs> you know, and uh, that's it. You know, the Lord rebuked you. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just doing what you got a problem. Go take it to Jesus. And, uh, of course, the devil will resist the devil. And what will he do? Flee. He'll flee. That's right. Since Satan's pride convinces him he can challenge the highest of the angels, he will have no problem challenging you. I mean, you really don't want to wrangle with the devil. I mean, the capital D devil. And fortunately for most of us, unless we're in something like Daniel, who's happens to be in the, 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 the seat of Gentile power, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's court, in a transit time of transition, which, again, I'm not making funnies when I talk about some of the things that's going on in our world history right now, current events. There's a lot of transition going on. When, in 2018, when Donald Trump, I, it would have been crazy to be in the Oval Office and in the meetings going around moving the, the capital of Jerusalem from Tel Aviv or the, well, the capital of Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, because that, that's a major. That's like that's like uh, Cyrus, king of Persia. That's like Nebuchadnezzar, major. Those are big. That's Alexander the Great type of stuff going on. That's 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 Harry S. Truman stuff. So there's those types of huge shifts that are that have a huge implications prophetically. I do. I'm glad I'm not there, but you know something is going on in the heavenlies, and there's and there's disputes. No, 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 you can't do that. Or, yes, I'm going to do that. You know, I don't know what goes on. I'm just reading Daniel going, these, these principalities and powers, I'm not talking about people. People are like puppets. And you, the more we go on in history, you can see that. And so, uh, so, man, there's a lot going on. That's why we're to pray for kings and all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Because while they're arguing over there, what really is going on is they're setting a pick so we can go over here and do what we're supposed to do. And let's take care of God's business and get the gospel where it needs to go on time. So anyway, uh, so we must respond as Michael did. He took it to the Lord. I mean, we're learning some strategy here on how we're expected not only to resist but to win. Satan's pride convinces him he can get anybody, and, and he believes that. He believes he's going to overthrow Jesus. His scales are his pride. You know, and you read Job and read about Leviathan, which is a type of Satan. And, and, and man, he's... You can't, you can't even, he's just full of scales, and those scales are pride, just like a serpent. They're just interlocking. And so, so we got to be like, like Michael and say, you know what? I'm going to take these cares, I'm going to cast them on the Lord. Job was wise enough not to meddle with things that were too high for him. Right? He's like, man, there's stuff, some stuff's just too high for me. I'll forget it. Um, but what he did do is trust in the Lord's character. He's like, you know, you know, Satan, 
And jo you know what Job was dealing with? He was caught in the, in the crossfire of a dispute between God and Satan. Satan comes to, to him and says, hey, what about Job? Job comes up in the conversation. Actually, God brings up Job. Hey, what about Job? Why don't you try Job? And he goes after Job. And you know what? He says, you know what? You take, you take, you touch him. He's gonna. You take this. He's gonna. He's gonna. He's gonna turn on you. He's gonna turn on you. And all of those things, he never turned on God. He held, he held up better than Satan. Lucifer. Satan is not omnipresent, but he communicates and communes with his servants through preachers and special worship services. Satan is wily. So understanding God is good is the key to conquering lies from the adversary. If there's one thing that you, if you're in a spiritual war, one of the things you've really got to understand, a couple of things. Number one, God is good. If, he can, if the adversary can get you to really believe God isn't good, every atheist or whatever, every critic you talk to, well, why does God allow starving Africans? You know, all this stuff. We're not going to talk about sin. We're not going to talk about the human condition. We're not going to talk about the links that God has gone to to redeem man. We're not going to take any responsibility upon ourselves to spread the gospel and help people understand that. I mean, there's just so all these there's all these devices. It's all about saying, well, God's no good. His character stinks. If he really was good, he wouldn't allow all this. He would serve me because <laughs> we really don't know who he is. We don't get it. We're so fortunate he has served us and he has given his son for us and he has loved us. He's already done that. So Satan's forces are organized and they work systematically. Look over in Mark chapter 5 and verse 9. I don't have a slide for that. Um, Mark chapter 4 and verse 9. So if somebody gets there, you can just read that out because I'm not, I don't have it yet. Mark 5, I said. Mark 5 and verse 9. I'm there. Anybody got it? I'm, okay, I got it. Mark 5, 9. Uh, and he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, uh, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Okay, what's going on? I didn't give you the context. So, so Christ is, he's literally casting out devils, multiple devils, legion of devils. I mean, that's a lot of devils. And so um, you can go back and read that. But, you know, the, it's, Jesus comes into the country of the, the Gadarenes and, and uh and there's this, this demoniac guy. He's one man. And they can't keep him fettered. They can't keep him under control. He's, he's just he's out of his mind nuts. And, and so it says in verse 5, uh, well, let's just read it. It says verse uh, 3. It's, well, let's start verse 2. So when he was come out of the ship, immediately there was, met him of the tomb, out of the tombs, hanging out with the dead, a man with an unclean spirit. By the way, there's some people at Bethel Music. You know what they do? They go out to the graveyards and try to suck the energy out of dead people. For real. And they call themselves Christian. That's called necromancy, man. That's wicked as all get out. That's what this dude was up to. Who had, in his, had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him. No, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and chains had been plucked asunder by him, and fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. We had a friend one time, he was high on something, and he came into our school. And uh, Amy, were you in that class with me when John, John Walsh came in? And we were in Mr. Argus Singer's class. Anyway, this dude, he's a friend of mine. But anyway, he comes in, and he's high as a kite. And, 
he wasn't supposed to be at school. I think he was suspended. Yeah, he was suspended. And I was, he just walks in the, in the room. He's walking the halls of the school. Walks into my uh, classroom, my Constitution class. And Mr. Argensinger says, hey, John, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm suspended, man. Well, before long, cops are called, you know. And this guy, he's, he's smaller than me. And they're chasing him through the halls, you know. And cops are chasing him. And finally, they catch him in the North Hall. You remember that day? Over by our locker. <clears throat> and so they, they tackle him and they get him. And they take those little zip ties, you know, tie his hands up. You know what he does? Huh? He pops them. Yeah. How does that happen? Because there something was inside of John. It wasn't just John. It wasn't just John. So I'm like, you don't you don't take on four or five cops and pop those little bands when you're that dude's size. I mean, he was he was a stout little dude, but yeah, something's up. He'd been opened up to something, and it wasn't good. And so, uh, anyway, he had super strength. And it took the authorities, right, to, to bind him, put him under submission. And it's sad. He ended up passing away. I feel bad about that. So, last time I talked with, last time I talked with him was down at the Kansas City Rescue Mission. He came rolling in, and, and, uh, and then the last time I saw him, I gave him a gospel tract up at 24 Highway at McDonald's. He was walking down the street, and I stopped and said, hey, John, and I gave him a gospel tract. So, and somewhere along the way, he passed away. So, anyway, uh, Legion, there's something in this dude. He's strong, man. He can, he can break, <laughs> break fetters. And, anyway, and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the verse 5 and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. You see these kids cutting themselves, usually girls. What are they doing? Man, they've gotten into some demonic activity. Right? I remember when I was lost and I'm drunk, I start carving into my knuckles words, letters. Why? Because I'm under the influence and not just of alcohol. You've got to be careful with this stuff. But when, when he saw Jesus after uh, afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee? Jesus, thou son of the most high God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. All of a sudden it's like, whoa. Whoa. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. So there's something going on here, and, I, and guys, I don't like to talk too much about this. I, one of the reasons why is I don't want to give the devil any press. But there's a, there is a time-space situation here that is just not in our realm. Right? It's like, a, it's, not, it's not me, it's we. So this guy's under the influence of multiple... What is a demon, by the way? Somebody, what is a demon? Huh? Yeah, they're fallen angels. They're just fallen angels. Just, but they are. A third of the angels fell. They're just fallen angels. That's all they are. Yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. Uh, when you're dealing with someone under that's like that, they, they're speaking through that person. Typically, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get too far into that. My experience, for what it's worth, probably is the guy didn't even probably remember it, right? But, you know, consciousness needed to come in and out with or without other agents helping. 
when you're dealing with people like that. But again, I don't want to get too into that. Um, but he said unto him, Come out of, that, out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Verse 9, And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was, there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, which is always a theological question, but I won't get into that either. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith with Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, uh, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. Uh, they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. That's a, good, that's a, lot, of, that's a lot of pigs, 2,000 of them. And they ran in the sea, and they fed the swine, <clears throat> and they that fed the swine and told it in the city, in the country, and, in, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And uh, they came to, G- to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. Notice it's just a, the devil at that point. And he and uh, uh, and had the legion sit uh, and the, had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid because they saw that Jesus had some power. This dude was off the hook until he met Jesus. Amen. We could preach that. That's a message. Man, he's all, his guy's off the chain. Nobody can, nobody, but Jesus. Jesus put him in his right mind. And they, they're scared. They were scared of that dude because they couldn't control him. They're scared of this dude because he just took care of it. They're like, whoa, this, is, this dude is Messiah, right? This must be Messiah. That's what they should have been thinking because it was. Even the devil's obeying, right? So, uh, so anyway, you get the point. No other name but Jesus. Now, you don't want to be like Carmen uh, back in the day when I first got saved, this Christian singer dude. He's like, I'm going to take on the devil. And he's singing these songs. And you have videos, you know, kicking in the door and throwing the devil on the couch. And, you know, I'll tell you what. No, the Lord rebuked thee. Let Jesus handle it. Don't get caught up in your pride. You don't think you're Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Uh-uh. I don't want to wrangle with the, the the legion. Let Jesus handle the legion. Somebody had their hand up. Yes, ma'am. Oh, good point. Yeah, because he took their their pig industry, just went out in the lake. <laughs> so, good point. Yeah, yeah, they're scared of Jesus's influence in the culture. And there's a whole lot, if we were, I don't want to get too far into why it was pigs and all of that and why they went into the water, but yeah, notice the military terminology there is legion, and a legion is a structured military unit consisting of anywhere from three to 5,000 men divided into 10 divisions. And so Satan often doesn't need your body because he has your mind. Right? He doesn't need your body, and he, even more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. So Satan is not omnipresent, but he communicates and communes with his servants through preachers and special work services, worship services, I should say, not work services, so, which in my parenthesis is rock concerts. So we get up here and we praise the Lord. You know, well, the devil, you know, Freddie Mercury does too, but he's not praising the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not anymore. Now he's where he's at. So 
Worship is what the devil does. He's good at it. He used to be the anointed cherub. That was his job. And so that's why he's built with pipes, Ezekiel chapter 28. So, yeah, he knows how to throw a party and he knows how to worship, but he's not going to give the glory to God. As a matter of fact, he's going to, he'll get you singing songs like Running with the Devil and Highway to Hell. And everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to go to hell with my buddies. Yes, you will. Just keep going. That's exactly what he wants. And it ain't going to be fun. So, uh, so you and I are strategic objectives of Satan or Satan. So if Satan convinces you of his lies or me, he will have gained a, a family. Uh, if he gains enough families, he gains a culture. And after he gains the culture, he conquers a nation and people groups. And he wrestles them into bondage. That's what wrestling's about, putting people in bondage. If, you, if you're wrestling somebody, ultimately that's what you do. You pin them down. You get them to submit to you. You put them under your control. It's an issue of submission. So do you hear, you know, do you hear Goliath calling? Right? Is he really, is, 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 is God allowing him to challenge you? Think about that. There was a challenge. Everybody was submitting to one dude who had six fingers, six toes, you know, a giant of a man, scared to death. But there was one kid who's like, what are we talking about here? What? what? I mean, he's on our property. He's blaspheming our God. So what? He's tall and he's got six toes and six feet and four brothers. You know, come on, man. Somebody kill this dude. Who's going to do it? Everybody else is asking, can we do it? David's like, who's going to do it? Why haven't we done it already? I mean, come on. And they think he's just jacking around, but he's serious. Why? Well, because of what I was saying earlier. David understood something. He was resisting and expected to win. You know, how far are you going to go with blaspheming God and allowing God and allowing it to go forward? He's like, somebody's got to put, the, put an end to this mess. And so they go and talk smack, and David wins. That's what happened. Of course, David's a type of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. David's a type of Christ. That promised seed. So, have you ever noticed that the, the preachers God uses end up speaking oftentimes of political issues in their time? It's because ultimately a servant of God will impact culture and courses of countries as they stand and reproduce truth. Now, that's not popular among Baptists especially. But it's actually absolutely true. It doesn't matter. You can, it's a fact of history. It's not anything to argue about. I personally don't seek that. don't want to be a part of that. As a matter of fact, I stay away from it. Um, when I talk to politicians, I say, leave us alone and support Israel. Those two things. That's always my same answer. Support the nation of Israel because that's a blessing to our country. And please leave us alone. Let us be free. I really don't want your help. And, uh, you know, praise the Lord. God's taking care of us. Just keep us free. That's all I want. And let us preach. And I'm happy. I don't really, you know, a lot of, you don't see a lot of politicians roaming around HBF because I'm not going to cart them up here in the pulpit and give away God's pulpit to politicians. It's not going to happen. Um, and so, anyway, for what it's worth, that's nothing to do with the point I'm trying to make. But, but ultimately, preacher, they, you know, you can go. J. Frank Norris. He was 
yeah, he was against communists, but he's also, he was, he did have an ear of President Truman, whether he was a rascal or not, you know, whether you liked um, Billy Graham or not, Billy Graham, he influenced some people. I mean, it just happens. Ephesians 6.12 is also referring to the influence that Satan has on the governments of this world. Right? Principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. So, that's ultimately, really, the primary thing. And we saw already in, in the book of Daniel, you know, a snippet of what that's all about. So, there's a lot going on. That's why you don't really have to worry about the capital T, uh, capital D, devil, coming after you. Uh, because, well, he doesn't have to, for the most part. He's already working on it through his systematic way of dealing with culture and people and his devices. Right? So we're to know his devices. The more I preach, the more I sound like an old Baptist preacher. So Ephesians 6.12, let's just finish up there and we're done for tonight. We'll pick it back up next time when we talk about being wise to the enemy's tactics. Because i got more to say about this. Ephesians 6 verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Remember that. I have to remind myself of that. So... What's that look like? Well, a lot of times somebody, you know, we have the Lord's Supper for a reason, right? So because people in a church get cross with each other, right? The Lord's Supper was about bringing the apostles together, letting them know what's coming. Um, it's celebrating the Passover feast, Jesus himself being the Passover. All right, we get that. He's their sacrifice for sin. He's what's going to set them free, take them across the Red Sea, free them, spring them. Right, we get that. That's what we do. It's because of his death. Okay, so we, we are commanded to judge ourselves. Come to the Lord's Supper. Make sure we're right with one another. Don't blaspheme the Lord. Make sure we're unified because unity, God has a lot of, he puts a pretty high premium on unity. And so what happens though is the devil gets people to convince that they're wrestling against flesh and blood. So something goes wrong. And it does go wrong. People offend each other. It happens. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your sister in the church, your brother in the church. Wow, they cut me off. Wow, they didn't deal with me the way they should have dealt with me. Wow, I'm offended. Or worse yet, I'm not offended. They're just a jerk. Right, but you're really offended. Okay, so those things happen. But then you start to look at that person like they're a problem. Or you have a problem with them. They have a problem with you. All that kind of stuff. And you really think you're wrestling, whether you acknowledge it or not, you really think you're wrestling with flesh and blood. You think that sister so-and-so or brother, you know, whoever is, is an issue. But really what's going on is you're wrestling against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness. You don't even know it. Because the Bible is clear that you don't wrestle flesh and blood. Something's going cross, someone's slandering you, someone's murmuring, somebody's complaining, somebody's... You know, whatever. Anybody ever seen that happen? It happens all the time. As a matter of fact, Paul goes to Corinth and he's like, yeah, babies do that. That's what babies do. They, they're, they're carnal. That's what ba- Until they get their mind renewed, they don't even know how to think or speak. So there's a time for that. But once you get older, you should be more vigilant and you should be more sober. And you should put a watch on your guard your heart, guard your lips, guard your mind. Right? Put on the whole armor of God. That's what Paul's talking about because you don't wrestle against flesh and blood if you have a weak spot the devil will exploit it and he will and so the church should be about not entertaining not about placating but about equipping building galvanizing growing maturing 
helping people see biblically what's going on. Because the devil wants to destroy every church that preaches the Bible, every family that holds fast to the Bible, every, every church, every family, every couple, the devil wants to destroy them. And if we give them a place, they'll let them. And in every one of those things, it's going to be, well, you know, he did this, she did that, they did this, they did that, blah, 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 blah. No, the devil has a place. And you don't wrestle flesh and blood. That's what happens. And so uh, that helped me out when I first came down here to Heartland. It helped me out a lot as a pastor. Just kind of, I would, I would think about those things like God is good. And when it felt like things were going to blow up and the wheels were going to come off the church plant wagon, I'd just say, Lord, help. I'm not wrestling flesh and blood. Sister so-and-so is not mad at brother so-and-so. That's demonic, man. And, and God showed me that was so true. I had people upset with each other. I, I sent them a message, and I said, well, let's just do this. Just do what the Bible says and go back to, this literally happened. Go to Matthew 18. It says, go deal with your brother. Why don't you go to him? And I bet if you go to them, your brother's going to say this. So sister so-and-so goes to brother so-and-so and says something. Guess what the next email is? I can't believe you told him what I said. I said, God is my witness. I didn't even speak to him. Whatever he said is what he said. I don't know what he said. And then you know what set in on that, sister? The fear of God. Because I'm like, you either believe me because God is my witness. I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't say a word to him. He just happened to respond like a Christian, like I said he would. And he dealt with it biblically. And so that chick was like, whoa. Why? Because she realized, wow, this is a God thing. We're not wrestling. We're to be together on this stuff. You can't let that stuff get between you. And so, anyway, it's, it's not always, it's never about people. It's always about what's going on the other side. It's spiritual wickedness in high places. There's, there is demonic activity that goes around. So, you'll see it. Uh, you'll see it. So, first, we must praise God for placing us, you know, in a situation to succeed. And... Uh, and you can get so down and out about immorality and what's wrong, but you know what? You're, you know what's right about your nation, what's right about your neighborhood, what's right about your situation, whatever it may be at your job, your family, is when you're right with God. That's what's right. Be right with God, and that's what's right. Be what's right instead of what's wrong. And we've got to understand the balance between principles of Romans 13.1 and Mark chapter 12, verse 17. And uh, Romans 13.1 tells us to submit to every authority of man. And as we should, the principalities and powers are ordained of God. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And Mark chapter 12 and verse 17, there's a balance here. And it says, um, Mark 12, 17 says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. And so be balanced, right? Uh, you know, we need to be in a position where we're submissive to authority, that we're not trying to, you know, cause problems, but at the end of the day, we're submissive to the Lord. Give the Caesar what's Caesar's, but give God the glory in everything. He's a, he is the man. He is the one with authority. And when you get into an issue, give it over to the Lord. God will take care of it. He is good, and he loves you. And if he allows you to die, so be it. That's what Job says. Even yet, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. His character is good, no matter what. Don't let the devil tell you any different. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Any questions tonight? Comments?
Good comments tonight. If there's anyone online tonight, Ray? A couple people. Thank you for joining us online. Glad to have you. Hope you enjoyed this tonight. Let's go ahead then and have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for this.